Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, DGens and DGenettes, to another episode of the Alfalfa Podcast. We are four radically moderate entrepreneurs and investors swimming in the messy gray ocean, serving up alpha in money, politics, and life. We are Nick Urbani, Eric Johansson, Stephen Cesaro, and I am Arman Asadi. All links at alfalfapod.com. Make sure to hit subscribe wherever you are listening or watching on YouTube and follow us on the socials. And most importantly, hop in our Discord to join the community for the after party and more alfalfa. So Nick's reading about the Saudi Arabian intervention in (laughs) Yemen. (laughs) I was like, wow. No, it's a good place to start. Tell us. Tell us about the atrocities in the world that we don't speak of, know of, and turn to blind eye toward. I guess we're going to talk about a different one, but uh, we were just mentioning that uh, we're on year seven of a civil war in Yemen that no one talks about. I don't I don't hear it first of all peeped up once. What's Yemen? <laughs> <laughs> there are probably a lot of people listening who literally said that. So I know. I'm I think sorry. It's a, I'm not making fun of you. Yeah, yeah I know. That's a, that's a good point. Um, that is let me point. be a little sensitive it's, it's to a, that. It's a country, I don't know, I think it's got about 30 million people. Is it next to Oman? It's next to Saudi Arabia. Um, What's it's also Oman? next to Oman. South Oman, yeah, like west of Oman, south of Saudi Arabia. Kind of like north you know of Somalia. Amman. Oman. Arman. Let's not be cute. <laughs> We're not all the same. <laughs> okay. Country name, human name. Continue, um, Nick. But anyway, there's, you know, 30 million people there, probably half of them facing some kind of like deep humanitarian issue, whether it's like sickness or actually getting murdered in the civil war. Um, you know, not enough food. Um, straight up poverty because of this war. And it's, it's backed by, you know, two countries that don't involve Yemen. I mean, Saudi Arabia and Iran are basically battling out each other, um, in Yemen with the U S kind of providing, you know, I'm sure they're providing like intelligence to Saudi Arabia and weapons and, and whatnot. And, uh, no one talks about it. I know nothing about this. Right. It's amazing. It's going on for seven years. Wow. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like, I don't know, maybe a quarter of a million people died. I feel like died. Obama droned the fuck out of a lot of people in Yemen, right? That's when he's, the war started. Yeah, his, that was his, his go-to move, right? Yeah, he, he was, was the drone or Yeah, he, he had itchy trigger finger on the drone. Yeah. A lot less than Trump, actually. Fun facts. So that's sad. Um, and it's a brutal find... situation that's been going on for quite some time. I mean, I was saying right before we started recording, like one of my favorite things, I don't watch the news at all ever. But when I travel and I go to another country, you get in the hotel room, turn on the TV, it always defaults to BBC World. And BBC World is this like very unbiased, at least it's traditionally been, unbiased, centrist, Here's the news. Take it. That's all I have to say about it. And they have these like very wonderful, like sort of speaking reporters who just tell you exactly what you need to know in as few words as possible. There's no extra emotion. There's no sort of trying to to manipulate the mind in any shape or form whatsoever. Because most of the time, they're also speaking about events in other countries. So it's like some English reporter or Indian reporter or Tibetan, you know, covering a situation in Tibet or whatever it might be, or some Ukrainian in another country. And they're just giving it to you. They're like, 
the things that you never knew happened. Like there, t- t- this this morning, there was a train crash in India. Ten people, <laughs> <laughs> ten people really have, repli- wow. have received replacement uh, <laughs> surgery. Um, we'll report back in the news shortly. And it's like, th- that's it. And then 30 minutes later, it circles back. It's like, here's the latest update, you know? And that's it. There's just nothing else. And even when they talk about something really politically charged, like the type of stuff that goes on in America, there's... Just no emotion behind it. Now, again, I know some people out there would be like, oh, no, BBC is not what it used to be. That's totally true. Nothing is what it used to be. But that BBC world that you get outside the US is something completely different. And when Eric said, when you said, I know nothing about this, I'm like, yeah, welcome to America. No one knows where the fuck Yemen is. No one knows what's going on there. I mean, that's just like, I don't blame anyone. Oh, that, I avoid that feels uh, that way. American news like the plague. It's awful. I, I just found another source. Another that said tragedy? That, oh, no, man. no. Just the number is actually close to half a million people dead in this. This was an article that says uh, 30 days old. So it's actually more than I originally thought. Jeez. Yeah. It's like 2% of the population? Yeah. Oh, my God. Imagine that. Anyway. Terrible. Anyway. Well, let's talk about something else that's terrible. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but, Steven, by the you, way, audience, like this is going to be a real happy episode today. So, <laughs> yeah, did we think about that before? <laughs> First of all, Stephen planned this episode, so Look, um, take it up with Stephen. I I didn't think it was going to be an at Stephen in the Discord for any complaints. Yeah, just um, just come no, at me. No, but you you came across something recently um, that's that's yes, it's obviously a little bit like wow and and not the most positive thing, but it's important. Why is it important, and, and what did you uncover? Yeah. So I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan last week, as I sometimes do, not when he's talking to MMA fighters, because I I just don't care uh, or most comedians don't care. But like some of his other guests are really good. And this guy came on. What was his name? Siddharth Kara. Mm -hmm. Um, And his, uh, by the his, way, six people. You were the sixth person that told me to listen to that episode. That never really? happens. It never went, happens. I, I guess it went like super viral. And I understand why because I was listening to it like, oh my God. Like, um, for, for people who haven't listened to this yet, like, please go listen to it. Um, he also has a book coming out end of uh, January, I think, right? Called Cobalt Red. Um, and it, it's, it's about like his journey to, Africa, uh, to the Congo specifically where they are mining, uh, cobalt. And for people who don't know, cobalt is like a critical, uh, element used in, in, in battery production. I guess it, Nick, you probably know more about this than I do, but I guess it makes the batteries like longer and like blow up and catch fire less, which are both good properties of batteries I hear. Right. But, but it's in any rechargeable battery. So every phone, every laptop, I mean, and, and especially in electric vehicles, it sounds like. I mean, obviously. every electronically powered, battery powered device. iPads. Yeah. I mean, we're all kind of complicit in what we're going to talk about. And um, yeah, so the, the th- fact that it's in everything is also part of the problem. Which yeah. We'll talk about. yeah. Like, yeah so, I mean, so this guy went like basically undercover effectively in the Congo, which is a, a dangerous place to these mines because they're literally guarded by dudes with like automatic rifles and machetes and stuff who just don't really care about killing you apparently. Um, and he, he went to all these mines where cobalt was being mined, um, where, where like allegedly this element was being dug up from the ground, you know, using like machinery, uh, and that sort of thing. And like, he, he showed a video on, on Joe Rogan of one of the mines and it, it, it was just like a pit full of like tens of thousands of people. Um, like, many of them like 
basically kids, like young teenagers, um, just digging by hand for this, 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 uh, cobalt and literally like the scene of a scary movie. Yeah. So like, roughly like, for like a dollar a day too yeah. is what they, oh, yeah. And like this, this stuff is like highly toxic too. So they're, they're just sitting, they're just in this mass pit, like tens of thousands of people, uh, no personal protective equipment, just inhaling toxic dust, uh, laboring, getting paid like a dollar a day, um, to, to do this stuff with like horrid work conditions. Um, but it's it just, it's just like the, the whole pod like kept getting like worse. And I was like, surely it can't be worse than this. Surely it can't be worse than this. And like the part that really got me was we talked about everybody, like they're just going into these like tunnels to dig and they're just like held up by like sticks. And he's just like every day, basically like one of these things collapses or multiple of these things collapse and like dozens of people die. And he's just like, he's just like tens of thousands of people have just died. Like, um, mining cobalt and like slavery. Yeah. The thing he said that like really got me, was like, he was like, this is the worst like tragedy in human history. Basically. Like he, he, he's basically like, this is worse than slavery. And And his his background is studying like human slavery, right? Yeah. He prior to this was, yeah, he's going around the world, like studying human trafficking and just like all the worst elements of society. And he's like this, like, broke him and he was he was talking to rogan and he's very uh passionate about it and it was just like horrible and like just it just like just like hit me like just like everything that we have that we use like just like people like like just like kids like died making all of our stuff and like nobody talks about it like nobody's ever talked about it um that 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 i know of and until i heard this um because do you guys think that's because of a lack of awareness of people like Siddharth that have exposed this information, or do you think that there's enough of that information and it's falling on deaf ears, and humans just choose to ignore this stuff at well, times I mean, until it becomes like, oh my god, it's in the media and the news and everyone's listening to it, and you're a bad person if you don't do something about it. But- I think it comes down to what are you going to do after we talk about this conversation in 20 minutes after we finish this conversation, we're all going to probably agree how fucking terrible this is, but are you going to throw away your laptop? Are you going to throw away your iPhone? Like, I I don't know. Maybe not for me immediately tomorrow, but at least first it's, it's level awareness. I would would argue awareness. Right. And then that awareness changes everything. And it's like, okay, people like, like children today care so much more about how their products and services are made than we ever did. And every generation seems to care more than the previous one about that. So things are changing. And I think there's so many things to be cynical about, but that's like a very positive thing I see is like, as we move toward things that are more sustainable, things that come from like sources that are actually deemed like uh, they're not coming from the hands of a child slave. And there are different like foundations and groups that will help us identify products and services, even food as well, right? Like some of the big documentaries last year, what was the one about um, seafood that went absolutely nuts and viral? Forget the name right now, but it was all about tuna. Things like that and understanding like, then, then you get into a whole political situation about the uh, biases and ulterior motives of the organizations that actually rate these things and try to filter for us, which is just a whole nother fucking clusterfuck. But the point is, I think it starts there. And I think personally, there's definitely a lack of awareness. 
But I would also guess that there are plenty of people like Siddharth that have been screaming for a long time, trying to get attention, and everyone's just like, uh, sorry, Joe, like no time for that right now. It's, um, I think people are trying to keep it under wraps. And the, yeah. and the reason is because the incentives are designed to keep it under wraps. Like A, the companies that produce all these electronic products want profitability, right? They're, they're driving towards that. If they can get cheaper labor, of course, they're going to go for that. And consumers want to pay low prices for their electronics. So of course, we don't want to necessarily like ruffle the feathers and think about, okay, so where, where in the supply chain is this stuff coming from and what are they getting paid? We're just happy to pay, pay less for our iPhones and, and our devices. And if that information is suppressed from us, the, the consumer, and there's no pressure on the manufacturer and, and the Apples and Googles of the world, then nothing's going to change. Right. So these things always come down to the information and it getting to people and the citizens and the awareness. The moment that the decentralization of information happens and not just the decentralization, but the proliferation of it happens and it reaches people. That's when change happens. That's what, I mean, we talked about Iran, like, look at that. That never would have happened previously. It's been 45 years of like trying to make something happen. It couldn't happen. Now it can because people are becoming aware. That's what it takes though. I think that's how you create these different changes. Well, what's interesting is that, you know, basically electric vehicle batteries are the largest rechargeable batteries that we have. And I think, EVs are expected to 10x the amount of units actually pushed out in the market in the next 10, 20 years. So, I mean, you're going to go from, I don't know how many there are, five, five-ish million EVs out there to 50 plus million. So the, the, the amount of demand for this is going to skyrocket. Like it's already bad right now, but imagine when electric vehicles, you know, increase in, in usage. And uh, I don't know, I think you're, maybe you're right. I didn't really consider that the awareness of it and obviously like I know a little bit about the battery uh, industry and there are some nascent technologies that like um, lithium, nickel and cobalt are the three ones that are that are that are tough um, to find and and kind of controlled. The supply chains are controlled by other countries. And uh, the idea is that maybe one of these technologies like a sodium based technology that doesn't necessarily require those rare earth minerals could could take off. But these are still so early. I mean, I don't I think they're really far away from ever powering your iPhone. And maybe, maybe they're, they're never going to be perfect for something like that, but maybe your Tesla home battery or your, you know, EV or something yeah. like that. I feel like we could explore the actual atrocity a little more before moving to solutions as well. But speaking of solutions, like what, what was mentioned in the pod or I don't know if you guys listened to it too, I haven't like what was mentioned by Siddharth is like, okay, this is happening. Like it's the worst slavery we've ever seen worst human atrocity we've ever seen then what do we do <laughs> so the solution has to come from like the the manufacturers like those guys need to pay livable wages and we need to demand it like as consumers we we need to become aware that this thing exists and then we need to say like hey elon and everybody like it, it's not just elon who's the enemy you know it's apple samsung Siddharth calls it it's it's everyone and we as consumers need to basically demand that these people get treated like people like we can't, we, we got into such a bad situation that like, we can't do anything about it. Right. Like we, what are we going to do? Not buy electronics tomorrow. We're going to buy, buy like grass fed electron. It doesn't exist. Like what was it? Like 75% of all of the cobalt in the world comes from this one region of Congo and 15 of the 19 mines are controlled by China. So this, this is part of like a larger problem that we've let like, brought get to away you by the belt and road initiative <laughs> yeah 
but th- th- this like this like fits into so much of the other stuff like we we talk about like in the U.S. we've we've over the years we've stopped building things we've we've turned into this like hyper financialized economy and we're like oh we're like um we're like environmentally savvy people we we don't do these things because they're bad we don't do the dirty things here because they're bad for the environment like we don't mine these things here we don't like build these things here because it's bad for the environment but like they just it just goes somewhere else like we're all on the same planet like so for decades like china was happy to kind of just run around and just scoop up all of like the raw materials. Like we're out here basically like printing dollars and just like funding like a big military, I guess. And just like sitting behind our two oceans. But China has been like running around, like getting all of the raw stuff that goes into building all the things we need. And not just like the, like, not just the, like the, like, like the green stuff, like solar panels and all of the battery. Like we haven't even talked about the problems like in China. And like, he alluded to this, like, like you, you think like within China's own borders, there, there's not like basically like human slavery. Like we've talked about the Uyghurs, like here, like there is, that stuff is definitely going on. It's definitely happening in Apple products from what I've seen. It's one of the reasons I think Apple is trying to hightail it out of there as quickly as possible, because I think they feel like the public backlash coming against what they've done. But like, this is like the essence of like some of our good, like well-intentioned policies go awry, right? Like you mentioned, like the largest thing in the world that's like soaking up cobalt right now is like the batteries in electric cars. And why are we building all these electric cars? It's Well, it's like allegedly to save the environment, right? But it's just like a very, it, like people don't, like, like Doomberg, for people who don't read Doomberg, he's a green chicken, like Anon on the internet. And he writes about energy a lot. And like, he's written a lot about how electric, moving to all electric vehicles right now is incredibly stupid. If you look at just like the total sort of like reduction in environmental impact that you get, like he, like he, he did an analysis that people should read on like hybrids versus like full electric vehicles and hybrids, like they, they have like just mag, orders of magnitude, greater impact, you know, net impact positive on the environment than these electric vehicles right now for a variety of reasons. Right. But one of them is that like you are, you're, you're making the battery so much bigger than you need to. And like the benefit you're getting, like, isn't that much more because like the energy still largely comes from a grid that isn't full of renewables. We have, we, as you said, like we, we now have to get all of these like raw, uh, rare earth minerals and, and cobalt and lithium where like, like the, 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 the kind of quotas they want us to meet over the next like decade or two are ridiculous. And like who controls all this stuff, China, does China care about human rights or the environment? No. And that's the other thing, like we didn't touch upon, like he, like he was talking about like the environmental impact there. It's almost feels secondary, like next to the, the human tragedy, but like, they're just annihilating like the entire country. It's like turning into like a, a wasteland from the mining. It's just, it's so bad on so many levels. I had a deeper question. Well, how come some of these nations with all the resources like Venezuela, the Congo, they end up just getting absolutely pilfered? Um, is it is it like I, I thought about it myself and I thought, is this just like a, a human coordination problem? Like those who who had the resources at right at their doorstep, they couldn't coordinate well enough to be able to to negotiate good wages and and sell this for themselves. So then a, a better form of human coordination came in and basically exploited it. I don't know if it's down to human coordination. It reminds me of the economic hitman. 
you know? It's a great book, by the way, yeah. uh, for those people who haven't read it. I mean, I think that these societies are inward facing. They had the resources. They kept them for themselves. They uh, nationalized them to a certain degree, right? Sometimes they did trade with other countries. Once other countries became aware of the power of those resources, they come in and go, whoa, 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 wait a second. What do you got over here? It's so like literally like an old cartoon movie. They just haven't developed enough to know the, the value of their cobalt and then are willing to sell it. Maybe they haven't developed the value, but it's not about that. They Maybe they recognize the value. They do recognize the value. They, they do initiate trade, especially with their border countries. But then a country like the United States comes up and I'm sorry to say, but we're a big villain. I'm, I'm sorry. Like the reality is that we go into countries and we put countries into debt. And that's what the economic hitman is about. It's like, hey, we'll help you out. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, let's, let's like figure out some opportunities to, to have some trade. And we create terms for them that are impossible to meet. We put them into debt. We essentially enslave not the people, but the entire economy. And then we take that economy and we go, well, you know, in return for this debt, uh, we'll help you get out of it. But like you owe us forever. And the way you owe us is with paying us, giving us your natural resources for pennies on the dollar. We're the worst of the worst. It's not just the United States as well, by the way, but it's Western countries that do this yeah, to Britain spent a Britain, yeah. few centuries uh, <laughs> doing this. Yep. But funny you mentioned that what you described is essentially what's going on in Congo. So, um, you know, you talked about economic imperialism from the U.S. The uh, China has this initiative called the Belt and Road Initiative. And uh, just in January 2021, China canceled all of their loans to Congo. They said they're no longer loans. And Congo joined the Belt and Road Initiative. And I think that's essentially what you're saying. They were in debt, canceled the debt. You're now part of this. We yeah, develop ally. We develop the country uh, to produce you know, goods to export and I think it's not only just the the idea of like getting money to develop the country. I think as a leader of these countries, China literally hands them an authoritarian playbook. It's like, hey, do you need a, a 5G network? Cool. We'll give you that. But also we can give you all the monitoring capabilities that an authoritarian would love. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's so funny. We pick and choose our dictators. Why, why do we have the same thing with oil? Right. Like, why do we have a good relationship with Saudi Arabia? Why do we have a bad, why did we have a bad relationship with Iraq? Why do we have a bad relationship with Iran? It's just, well, you, it's you know, where we had a good relationship before the oil Congo, like we pivoted to oil. Like we were in the Congo and like, I like the, this isn't the first time this has happened to the Congo. This isn't the first time it's even happened to them because of the automobile. Like they were pilfered in like the early part of the century by uh, King Leopold of uh, Belgium, I think. I think that's what like Heart of Darkness was about, was like his travels to, um, you know, look, see what, it's basically this book, but like a hundred, you know, some odd years earlier. Um, it's but, economic imperialism, man. I, so I think it's, it's the coordination part, like the wrong economic model for the country, like authoritarian democracy, well, that, I think open that's, market. That has semi. to be the coordination problem at the root of it, because if, if you can, organize your citizens to to not be authoritarian and fuck over the other citizens then you wouldn't have this issue yeah they so have to ultimately take the deal with china coordinate coordination and corruption coordination too. yeah it's coordination and economics i guess right because you could be like a well-coordinated poor country and just 
say no. Yeah. Right. With a good government that's responsive to the citizens, but like the poorer the country is, the greater they're willing to maybe sell out. And then the worse the government is, the more like authoritarian it is, the more like one person can kind of benefit and like sell all of his people down the river. Like that, the more likely that is to happen. Coordination and avatar is pretty good, you know, for the, uh, what are they <laughs> called? The Nani people. It's like harmony with the environment. Hold on, no spoilers. Yeah. We haven't seen the no, 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 even Avatar one. one. Like, what are they there for in the first place? Is this right? just like a non-capitalist. This is, this is a tale as like, old as time. Money. They don't give a fuck. Like when they come in, the villain doesn't care. They're like, oh, you want to do a deal? Oh, you don't want to do a deal? Okay, now your terms are worse. Now we're gonna take it. Now we're gonna take it. Yeah, this is. Russia. I, I don't like placing the blame on on the nation because it, it's just I've never seen that to be correct. I think that that the nation is the victim for sure in this regard. Now, could they have set themselves up some of these nations in a way where they uh, at least get a better version of the deal? Absolutely. Like there's many versions of that. I mean, we, I think we wooed the old kind of leader of the Congo back in the day by like sending him like a military plane that was full of like Coca-Cola stacked to the brim of Coca-Cola. Cause he like really liked Coca-Cola. And we're like, yeah, let's just take control of this country by sending this one guy a plane full of Coke and the, the drinkable kind. I, I think sometimes we <laughs> we don't look at things. We look at things. Life in the world feels so complex. But I don't think this is any different than like a bully in the playground. It's it's all the same. And these adults that run the world and make these decisions are actually their children in so many ways. They never really grew up. And the thing that they love most is power. And the game that they're playing is the schoolyard game. It's just bigger toys. Be- better weapons, can, can better push, bait. Can I push back on this a little bit though? Cause the bully in the schoolyard analogy feels like, Oh, there's like some dictator, like invading another country. This to me feels more like a failure of like capitalism. It's just like the, the like the markets themselves and all the forces of them are just like incentivized to basically like exploit ed- edges for profit like within our own borders like as we've sort of like evolved as a society we sort of realized that unchecked capitalism does pretty nasty things it, it cares about profit it doesn't care about people right and it's like kind of just like the early industrial revolution but doesn't doesn't unchecked capitalism essentially just expose human nature um when it's totally a free-for-all Yes, but like the the bully analogy to me feels more like it's like kind of Putin going. Well, in the bully thing is something. very specific, but really what we're saying is like it's it's the behavior that's very simple and expected is what I'm driving at. It's human behavior. It it, it is, and like the, the, this is like why I think even at the world level, like as much as like you know some people don't want to say we should do this, like there is like a need for collective action because even if one nation is like, we're not going to do this, it's sort of wrong. It just makes the incentive for like one of the other nations to defect and go exploit the rest of the world, like even greater. And then unless all the other nations come together and say like, Hey, don't do that. You can't trade with this. You can't do like, it's always going to be like extremely profitable for somebody to, to defect and, and, and to do that. It's like a really difficult problem. I mean, this whole this whole episode like really like made me like rethink like a, a lot of capitalism, like, like how, like, like how does this even happen? Like he, like he, he said it in the episode, he's like, what kind of a system like produces these goods like off the back of like dead kids and like nobody even notices it for decades. It's, it's kind of wild to think about. So, yeah, I mean, 
in the same line, like when the U.S. fails to kind of, um, I guess, get the resources that it's going to need in the future, like let's say cobalt as an example, like it didn't um, establish a relationship with Congo and keep it before China had a chance to get into, uh, into it. Does that mean it was a failure of capitalism? Like the, the fact that, you know, we don't centrally plan our economy. So there wasn't someone in the state department being like, okay, this is the path of our economy. So we need to make sure that on like a diplomatic, you know, nation state level, we have these relationships. Like, do you think that part is uh, also a part of it's failure of capitalism? Well, was that a failure of like government leadership? It's sort of a failure of capitalism in that the reason that there is this incentive to go in and exploit people and maximize profit is because like, it's a system that just optimizes for profit. And like the Chinese are sort of notorious for like taking that to like an extreme, right. Given their treatment of people within their own borders. And like, they're, they're, they're just like a collective machine who they just don't really appreciate the individual like we do, but it is absolutely a failure of capitalism that like Tesla, Apple, Every like large electron, like Apple could probably stop this problem overnight if they really wanted to, but it would be, it'd be really bad for their share price. It would disrupt their entire supply chain. Same with Tesla. And the reason that this doesn't, like, I find it very hard to believe that nobody in these these companies knows what's actually going on on the ground there. And they like, they like in in their, in their quarterly statements, they talk about how their whole supply chain is like cruelty-free or whatever stupid word they use so, for it. So and to that point on profitability, corporate profitability, I, I've, I've been thinking about that. And I, I've i been struggling with the idea of like where you draw the line of like what is like fair labor practice, right? Because you would have to pay more, but maybe not that much more. If, you, if they're making a dollar a day, you can like make them feel a lot better with $5 a day. And that doesn't affect yeah. your bottom line if you spread that out along, amongst so many electronics companies like that's actually not that big of an expense well ultimately you letting them work eight hours you know how about that like just some basic like let them sleep at night yeah but i think the cost doesn't come from the the marginal labor costs it comes from the restriction and supply right like that 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 is what makes it more expensive right the fact that you you would you would extract less cobalt you would extract less cobalt yeah you would pay what if you just paid them more and pay them you paid them more, but still work. Yeah, but they already long. work too many hours. Yeah. Well, the the other reason this is like a failure of capitalism is because like the the system we live in has sort of morphed, or maybe it was always this way, but it's just morphed into this like like this beast that needs to get fed over and over again. Like our entire financial system is based on perpetual growth, right? To like, and, and what is perpetual growth based upon? Well, it's based upon like perpetual consumption and it's like crazy like how much of this like we've just like has just transpired within our own lifetimes like like i remember being a kid and you just got a thing and you played with it forever and it was cool and like even farther back you got like some shiny red metal metal fire truck made out of steel in like pittsburgh and the thing just lasted you handed it down to like your grandkids and it just lasted forever and now we get like a new super computer iPhone like every single year and it doesn't even do anything different than the previous one. It's just like, and we're just like accepted it as like the norm. And I this like, like my perpetual screen, growth though. thing is like, we need to more stuff. More I hope stuff. they're recycling the, the cobalt in all of our devices. There's, yeah. I mean, I don't b- think battery recycling. I, don't is think, a, I think it's like not like a very efficient or like, I don't know what I do with my like old TVs. I don't even know what I do with them. Like what, what do you do? There's, there's no you, place to take them. You know, there's no like process that, 
everyone knows. It's hard. You have to look it up. Yeah. There what is do, a process. What are we going to do with the EVs where the batteries just are, are, they're too old and you need to recycle your entire We don't car. think about that. We just want to like think about how good it makes us feel to like promote electric vehicles, to own an electric vehicle, to post by your electric. We have no concerns about what it does to the grid, how, like what it actually costs to produce these things. The money we're putting here versus alternatives, like nobody, <clears throat> we, do, we don't think about that. I mean, I, I do like, I, go ahead. I just go still first. think, I just think the EV thing is still a good idea. It's just that the road to get there is hard, just like crypto. Like, I see the same argument happening in crypto as I do with the EV movement. Like, no. yes, we want no. the energy to be sourced from sustainable energy in general. Yes, we we know that there's like 10 factors that exist within Doomberg's analysis. But like at the end of the day, we want cars that run off electric, like electric. We want electric vehicles. Yes, we want them to have higher um, sort of like uh, range in general to not need energy as often. And as battery battery technology improves, as we need less energy in the end, net net, this is like a good move for humanity. But why this is a good move for humanity is like you, you sort of said, and I know this isn't what you meant, but you said what people do. You're like, we want more electric vehicles. Why do you want more electric vehicles? You want more electric vehicles because you're optimizing for some combination of the well-being of humanity and the well-being of Earth. And like, if your intentions are good, it, it almost doesn't matter. Like, if you do something with good intentions, but it actually produces like worse outputs for the things you're actually optimizing Maybe for. Maybe temporarily in the beginning. That's his it crypto does. analogy. That's the crypto analogy Thanks. because in the in the immediate term in crypto, people are getting fucking scammed. There's uh, money being lost left and right from retail, or or the energy of proof of work, right. and all of the complaint and proof of stake and the and the complaints against that. It's like ruining no, no, people's crypto lives. Crypto is the opposite of this, though, because crypto is crypto is ruining things on the opposite end of the spectrum because it's completely like wild west free market like whereas like this is ruining things because it's like sort of like central planning gone like badly awry and like i would argue that like this isn't necessarily making the future any better just be because it's worse today like we could still get to the same future we want by just like pushing the use of hybrids more today and incrementally going here as the battery tech gets better, as we've there's know always like how to like no optimize disagreement the supply there. chain. There's you know? always a more optimized, efficient way today, but the compass wow. is pointed in the right direction is what I'm trying to, to say. To your point, the, the California um, electric vehicle mandate that takes place in 2035, where all new light trucks, passenger cars will have to be EV, only 20% of them can be plug-in hybrids. It's funny. Why, why would they limit? Why? why? Yeah, why? Because I mean, I don't even like the mandate in the first place, but like uh, they limit the the amount of hybrids. I mean, we, we talked briefly about, um, you know, capitalism maybe being the, the cause, of, uh, a cause of this, but I certainly like it as the best path towards a solution because if you look at it, there, there is opportunity for a set of entrepreneurs to create battery technology that doesn't necessarily need cobalt right. well the greed that the 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 problem is that this corruption is occurring in countries outside of our own that's where people get away with it that's where capitalism gets away with it that's where we can exploit people you can go to some other country we don't have to play by our own rules anymore and we're so removed from the supply chain that we're like eh we're we're good like our our corporate report says we're good like go check it out for yourself like and then you got to spend a 
hundred million dollars a year just to like create some department that says everything we do is sustainable. It's all bullshit. It's all politics. <laughs> and both of the things I you said know. are why we need like an, an effective government. Like we need an effective government to like know that it's a good foreign policy to not give all of the rare earth minerals to China, which seems like not that difficult to do. But like th- th- this is like the this is a problem I had like when we, we you know we were doing our culture episode. Like the reason the real reason I hate the culture stuff is because we have like a finite amount of attention capacity, right? Like the reason like controlling the algorithm on TikTok is so powerful is because you get to focus all of the stuff that happens like basically in the universe on on somebody's screen like one thing at a time. And the more you put all the focus on like stuff that I would say is like largely nonsense relative to what's happening in the Congo right now, the less people have like the ability to kind of take in and focus on these other things. And then the solutions of like all the like all the power of government right now is just it's just being pulled at like these very like ineffective areas. Like it feels like we're like about to like fight some very critical war over the next couple of decades. And like, we just have our heads like completely up our asses. What is a uh, uh, general Madison? I think when he's in charge of the defense department, uh, he had a famous quote that says like, if you cut the funding of the state department, the, the department that would like work on this, I'm going to need to buy more bullets. I'm going to need to buy more ammunition if you don't do this. So yeah, to your point, I mean, you could be hurtling yourselves to, to war unnecessarily over these you know, rare minerals. I feel bad that we mostly did kind of like a griping episode, not a lot of problem solved. Maybe we, I don't know. I think it'd be interesting to dive into some of this stuff and figure out like a, well, yeah, I mean, we teased, we teased it. We said, okay. uh, Well, I felt, I felt like Nick, maybe, you know, your initial question was like um, the, the kind of like maybe normal cynical take that a person might have after hearing something like this is like, all right, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to give my iPhone away tomorrow? Is that really going to change every, anything? But then to your guys' point, okay, you have a certain level of awareness. And Siddharth said, apparently, you know, you you go and you push the corporations to enact change. I mean, even like uh, for, you know, Stephen's tuna he was eating before this episode, it, like now we're eating like line caught tuna because it's more sustainable for the oceans yeah. and stuff. Like once it becomes part of the awareness, then you, you do change your behavior. We need a... Uh uh, well, I guess there is no kind of like good type of cobalt because it all comes from bad sources. All comes from, but if you had legitimately yeah. good sources, like let's say the 3% that comes from Australia that Siddharth mentioned, if you came up with a nice little logo icon that goes on every box, you know, that's how people recognize stuff like that. They just see it on the box and kind of make a purchasing decision. But I think we're sitting on an opportunity to actually help these people. Like you can just, if you could imagine like the, the worst situation You'd imagine like what's currently going on, but imagine being able to go to a nation and actually uh, uh, support like the economy, like back to your point, Nick, the problem was a a supply problem. But if you were paying better wages, you could attract more people to come and take those jobs and you could actually increase your supply. You'd increase your cost net, net like overall down the supply chain to the manufacturer. But hey, if consumers want people to not die extracting cobalt for us, would we be willing to pay for that? I think the answer is yes overall. Well, what's the cost of that? More dollars probably to us, okay? And what's the benefit to society in the Congo? They can work eight hours a day and sleep eight hours a day. And maybe this actually becomes like a an opportunity for a lot of people to get a decent 
paying job. And then we actually bring money into the economy instead of like a dollar a day under the table. Like there's opportunity here to create a world and a system that we want to see. And oftentimes I think that it's so, I just get more cynical myself, even though I'm so optimistic at the opportunities. It's like, we can do something. We can create these even in, a, even in a capitalist system, we can make it what we want it to be because I think we forget the individual, the consumer is the most powerful part of the equation in a capitalist system. It is the most powerful part of the equation in, in politics as well, in policy. It's like we're not victims. And I think oftentimes we, we behave like we are. The system's too big. It's too strong. We can't change it. But we can. We absolutely can. Yeah. Rant we're, over. We're not. We're not victims. I think we're all just like addicted to cheap crap, accessible crap. We've, we've just gotten so used to that for decades. We all live like, and like, there's no way around this. I feel like other than like, we all have to just go through like some collective pain for a while to like reset that system. Like what, what else are we going to do? Like ultimately anything we want done is going to like kind of increase the price of goods. Like the reason a lot of stuff is cheap is because a lot of people get, you know, some might say, and this is true to an extent, like people have been brought out of poverty by, you know, globalization. Like it's not like all bad, but also like a lot of people did get exploited like these people in the Congo. And I don't know, I would like to have an episode at some point kind of talk about more of the capitalism side of this, because I, I think it's a super interesting discussion, but like, I think for now, like we're doing what we can. I think we, we wanted to do this episode because we were like, oh my God, this is a big deal. We need people to see we're this. creating like, awareness you know, ourselves. Yeah. Too. And like, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen this episode, go, go, go watch it, go listen to it, tell a friend about it. Like it's already spreading like wildfire. And this change is only going to come from the, the, the top down when the people on the bottom, like just kind of rise up and become loud enough. And, and I think that's all there is to it here. What's the acronym for the Sustainable Investing Environmental ESG? ESG. Where the hell are the ESG oh, advocates on this God, one? don't get me started. Jesus. This episode's oh, going to go another three hours. All right. Good job, ESG. Yeah. Good job. Elon's friends. All right. Let's wrap. Well done. See you guys in the next episode. Bye. Peace. Bye.